for some of you, the very fact that I wield this out on the stage makes you feel very uncomfortable. For a lot of us, the idea about, of talking about death is very difficult. For a lot of us this morning, one of the fears that we struggle with in life is the fear of life's final moments. And so today, in a very straightforward way, I want to deal with this fear. I want to see what the Bible has to say about how it is that we can overcome our fear of life's final moments. And quite honestly, I know it makes us uncomfortable for this to be here and for us to discuss this subject. But if we don't talk about it, how will we learn to overcome it? So I want to dive into it this morning. We're continuing our series, Living Fearlessly. And we've been talking about a number of fears that we deal with in our lives and how it is that we can move from living in fear to living in faith. I uh, was doing some uh, reading this week about uh, caskets. Discover now that uh, for a pretty hefty sum of money, you can buy all kinds of customized caskets. If you're a NASCAR fan, you could be buried in something like this with all the images of NASCAR. Not to fear if you're a Boston Red Sox fan, here you go, a Boston Red Sox casket. If you're a uh, University of Florida fan, here you go, you can be buried in a gator casket. Here's my team, of course, you can be buried as a Buckeye. And I'm sure whatever team you cheer for, I looked for several other teams, that I, but I couldn't find those. But I'm sure if you look hard enough, uh, you can find those on the Internet as well. I, I also discovered this week, there is a store in Texas, maybe there are others like this, called the Casket Store. Uh, it's a big box store. They sell discounted caskets, and you can actually go there. It's kind of like shopping at Walmart, I think, for your casket, and you can go and, and pick it out. But here's the hard reality. The hard reality is that all of us will end up, figuratively at least, in the box. Now, we don't like to talk about it. And the, the longer the lifespan for humans has gotten, the more we've been able to keep the whole box out of our minds and out of sight. But there was a, service, a study done recently, and guess what? The mortality rate is still hovering right around 100%. Ten out of ten people who were surveyed still end up in the box. And while it makes us uncomfortable to deal with it, it is a reality that we all face. As much as we may try to have box avoidance, it happens. In fact, listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9. It simply says this. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. The Bible says very clearly we are all destined to die. It doesn't matter what lifestyle we choose. It doesn't matter what path we may try to follow in life. The reality is Every path at the end of it, there is a box. And all of us have to face life's final moments. So today I want to look at another story in the life of Jesus. A story that takes us to a place that we would rather try to avoid. But a story that we need to see. Found in John chapter 11. So if you brought your Bibles, as I hope that you did, again, would you take them out as always? And to find your way to John chapter 11, I think it's so important for you to find where this is in the Bible and maybe mark it so that uh, later in the week when questions pop into your mind, you know where to go and find this yourself and look at it. John chapter 11, it's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. 
And we're in chapter 11. The story fills this whole chapter, basically. And so I'm going to read part of the beginning, kind of fill in the gap in the middle there, and then read the end of what happens here. John chapter 11, verse 1. Here's how it starts. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You see, this Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they had grown quite close to Jesus. They had developed this deep friendship. And often when Jesus came to the town of Bethany, He'd stop at their house and spend some time with them. And so their relationship had grown deep. And So word is sent to Jesus. Verse 4, when He heard this, Jesus said, and listen to this proclamation that He makes from the very beginning. But people didn't have the ability to really hear what he was saying, evidently. He says from the very beginning, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He didn't rush to his bedside. Verse 7, then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And here's what happens from this point on. He waits a couple of days, and by the time he actually gets to Bethany where Lazarus is dead, four days have passed. Now that's very significant because in the Jewish culture there was this concept that when death happened, they were put into the tomb, and four days later, that's when the Spirit would depart the body. And so in their minds, after four days, that was just an empty shell. When Jesus gets to Bethany... Martha hears that he's there and she runs to meet him and she begins the if only game. She says, if only, if only you would have been here, Jesus. People have gathered at their home mourning the death and Mary gets word also that Jesus is there and she comes out to see him, says the same thing. Jesus, if only you would have been here. And the Bible tells us clearly in this story that Jesus is deeply moved with compassion to the point that he stands in front of Lazarus' grave and he also weeps. And then listen to what happens beginning in verse 35. Or I'm sorry, 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, He said. I love Martha's response. But Lord, by this time there is a bad odor. For He's been in there four days. Jesus, maybe you don't get it, but He's been in there long enough. It's going to stink. Verse 40, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, and I think He really praised this prayer really as much as anything for the benefit of those who are listening. He says, Father, I thank You that You have heard Me. I knew that You always hear Me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that You sent Me. When He had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And this story, this story always reminds me that death stinks. Now, according to Martha, it stinks in more ways than one. But you know what? As you read this story, there is never an indication that death is not difficult or that death is without pain. Death hurts. The the separation from someone that we love is painful. Now the custom of this day is that Lazarus, on the day that he had died, 
His body would have been prepared for burial, wrapped in cloths, uh, perfume sprinkled on his body, and on that day he would have been buried in the grave. And for 30 days, his family and friends would mourn his loss. The first three days would be the most intense. Family and friends would come to comfort the living and to mourn the dead at their home. They would dress themselves in sackcloth. They would cover their arms and faces with, with ash or dirt. They would weep and wail and tear at their hair. They would uh, turn over the furniture in the house and make it look disheveled as if a thief had broken into the home and snatched away their loved one. They recognized that the pain of all of this is real. And when Jesus gets there, He is caught up in their grief. In fact, to the point where He weeps. Now, I don't know, were His tears out of compassion for the hurt that His friends were feeling? Were His tears because of a sense of loss that He felt momentarily because of someone that He cared about? The Bible says in this story two different times that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Those words there, the original words, indicate that it was an emotion of sorrow mixed with anger. And I wonder, did Jesus feel some anger because of the havoc that death creates in our lives? Because of the fear and the frustration and the pain and the separation? See, the reality is death does stink. It hurts. The images that have come out of Haiti and their incredible tragedy have been amazing. So sad. You know the images that have captured my attention as much as any other? Have been the images like this little girl. Images of people who were mourning the loss of loved ones. Who were in agony over the separation that they feel. And that pain in our lives is real. And we should never try to downplay that or wish that away. It's a reality. It's part of the emotions that God wired us up with. Death stinks. It hurts. But there's some other things to be learned in this story that help us to cope with all of that. There is a uh, cemetery in Buchanan, Michigan. And I understand that uh, buried there is a guy named uh, Joseph. Uh, now Joseph, when he was um, in, in living in the 1800s, he went to the city council in Buchanan and asked for permission to erect a large monument that would remember him when he died. They granted him that and he paid some, a pretty large sum of money to erect this monument in the cemetery. After it was... Uh, all built, and he had it engraved, the citizens of Buchanan were somewhat shocked at what he had engraved on his tomb where he is now buried. It simply was engraved. He died as he lived in disbelief of the Bible, God, and the Christian religion. Now here's the story of one man who when he got to the end of life and he found himself in the box, that was it. For him, there was no hope in his mind. Death for him equaled extinction because he didn't believe God. But what's interesting about this cemetery is buried just a, a few hundred yards away is a guy named Dale Sazenfeld. Dale was a, a Christian leader, started his own ministry. And you know what's engraved on his tombstone? It says, He loved God, He served God, he walked with God. He lived and died for the glory of God. 
What a different story. For him, death was not the end. For him, there was hope beyond death. Death was about eternity. Two quite different things, aren't they? Is death about extinction? Or is it about eternity? Is it extinction? Or is it eternity? Mary and Martha, when Jesus arrives there, they they are struggling with their grief. And as I said earlier, you know what they begin to do immediately? They begin to play the if-only game. Jesus, if only You would have come sooner. If only the doctor would have diagnosed it sooner. If only He hadn't insisted on going. If only, if only, if only. But you know what? If onlys never change anything. But what Jesus says to Martha in this story changes everything forever. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 25 of this story. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He is proclaiming His power over death. He who believes in Me will live even though He dies. Those who follow Jesus, even though they will face physical death, will live forever in eternity, Jesus says. And whoever lives and believes in Me will never die. They will never die spiritually. Do you believe this? What Jesus says here is the definition of hope. He says the box is not the end of the story. It's not extinction. It's about eternity. Jesus announces, I am bigger than death. I am more powerful than death. I will overcome death. Death is no longer the end of the story. In fact, death, in a sense, is a new beginning. The cemetery is not the dominion of the grim reaper, but the domain of the soul keeper who will one day announce, as the Bible says in Isaiah, O dwellers in the dust, those who are in the grave, awake. And sing for joy. Now, as if Jesus hadn't made this all clear enough in this incident and what He says at Lazarus' grave. Just a few chapters later, in John chapter 14, just maybe within weeks or days, Jesus says something very bold. He makes a bold pronouncement that drives home the point that this box is not the end of the story. Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. He's talking about heaven. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with Me that you also may be where I am. Now, while those words sound promising to us, (laughs) they sounded radical to Jesus' first century audience. I mean, Jesus was announcing that He was going to do this feat that to them was unimaginable, was beyond their comprehension. Jesus was announcing, I am going to overcome death myself and I am going to come back and rescue My followers from death. Now, people couldn't even comprehend that then. Up until this point, all they had ever thought of was extinction. And yet, Jesus in this moment proclaims His power over death. He proclaims, I am going to overcome death Myself. Jesus starts teaching something that is new here to His hearers. 
He begins to say, the box is not the end of the story. It's the beginning. Now, you know what? Anyone can make a claim, can't they? I can claim that I'm going to go to Bulgaria tomorrow. But it's just words, isn't it? Until I get on the plane and leave. Which I will do. Jesus can make any claim that He wants. Right? But here's the difference. Here's the difference about Jesus. He backed it up. He made a very bold claim. And then He backed it up. He overcame death. He stood in front of that tomb on that day when three simple words, He brought Lazarus back to life. And a short time later in history, Jesus Himself rises from the dead. Jesus backed it up. He said, I've got the power. And then He proved it. Now, I think we struggle in our own minds with this whole concept for a couple of reasons. One, it's the unknown. We struggle with the unknown because there's nobody we can say, tell us what it's like. You know, we've never experienced it ourselves, so we don't know what it's like. And there's nobody that we can say, hey, why don't you come over, sit down on the couch and and tell me what happens. It can't happen, can it? And so there is this sense for us of the unknown. We haven't experienced it. My um, brother-in-law, his name is Tom Miranda, and he is a a bow hunter. In fact, he has his uh, own bow hunting show on ESPN. And uh, we see him just a few times a year. He's a great guy. But i got to tell you, I know nothing about hunting. Okay? I mean, he is amazing. He has hunted all over the world. He's killed all kinds of things. Just to tell you the lack of knowledge that I have, I don't even know what this is in this picture that he killed, okay? Some monster thing that I can't imagine. If I was hunting that, I want a huge gun, you know? No bows. I've never hunted It's never been my thing. I think it's a great thing for people who love to do it, but it's just never been my thing. I have no experience, no knowledge. It is totally unknown to me. But if I ever decided, I can't imagine, but if I ever decided that suddenly I wanted to go hunting, you know who I'd pick up the phone and call? I'd call my brother-in-law. And I'd say, would you take me hunting? Because you know what? He's been there. He's done that. He's experienced. He knows all about it. When it comes to death, we don't know about it, do we? There's a lot of unknown. But guess what? Jesus has been there. He's done that. He's overcome it. He's experienced. And I can place my trust in Him. Do you remember the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? It's about this guy that makes this invention and somehow he accidentally shoots his kids with this radar type thing and they shrink to real small and the rest of the movie is about that story until he gets them back to, to full size. You know what title I think we could put across the movie of some of our lives? Honey, I shrunk the Savior. Because we have shrunken our image of who Jesus really is. Did you grow up playing with action figures? Maybe your kids have some if they're that age. I had to borrow this. We don't have them at our house anymore. We've outgrown that, I guess. And But maybe you played with them. You know, the great thing about an action figure is you can make this powerful action figure kind of do whatever you want him to do, right? 
You can make him overcome the enemy. You can manipulate him to do just about anything you want him to do. And then when you're tired of playing with him or you don't want to kind of get him out of the way, you know, you just kind of stick him away in your pocket. And for some of us, that's how we've pictured Jesus. Maybe how we've sort of treated Jesus. We thought he's a great action figure and boy, I can manipulate him to try to get him to do what I want him to do. And I can tell him, Jesus, you're great. Mm, I love you. And then we stick him away in our pocket, out of sight, out of the way. We have a shrunken image of Jesus. And listen, if you're following a shrunken image of Jesus, then the box is pretty scary. But if you will follow a Jesus, the Jesus that is huge, the Jesus that is enormous, Jesus that is the Creator, Jesus who is the Mighty One, then the box isn't so frightening. So I guess the question of this story comes down to this. Are you following a shrunken Savior? Or are you following the Jesus that is bigger than death? You know what I think Jesus was asking Martha really when He said, do you believe this? Part of what He was asking was, how big do you think I am? Do you think I am bigger than the box? Or is the box bigger than me? And you know what, honestly? As Martha stood in front of the grave that day, and she felt that very real pain of separation, the grave seemed awfully big. Oh, she knew Jesus was there. She recognized that He was the, the Son of God. But she didn't fully comprehend what He was capable of doing. He had told her. In verse 23, He says exactly what He's going to do. You know, I, I, He's not going to stay dead. But when she stood in front of that tomb, that grave, it seemed so big. Until, until with three simple words, Jesus changed everything. With three words, He brought Lazarus back to life. <laughs> the crying stopped. And the celebrating began. And when it comes to our attitude towards life's final moments, we have to choose. Who am I following? A shrunken Savior? If I am, then the box is always going to seem big. But if I follow the Jesus who could call Lazarus back from the dead, the Jesus who Himself overcame the grave, suddenly the box isn't so big. You know, there was a day when, in a sense, Jesus seemed kind of small. The day He was hanging on the cross. The day that He was hanging there, suffering, paying the price for our sins. The day that He was dying so that He could redeem every one of us. In that moment, in a sense, Jesus seemed kind of small. Kind of seemed small when they took him down from the cross and they wrapped his body in burial cloth and they put him in a tomb. On Friday, on Friday he seemed pretty small. But on Sunday, he was so big. Because on Sunday, he overcame death, he overcame the grave, and he came back to life, and he is alive today. And he is bigger than death. He is bigger than the box. And if I follow that, Jesus, I do not have to live in fear of life's final moments. Would you pray with me? 
God, this is a difficult subject for us. God, I, uh, I know there's a lot of discomfort in this room over even just the images of what's on stage. But God, I pray that through Your Spirit, You would do a work in our hearts. And God, You would encourage us this morning. You would boost our confidence and remind us that we don't follow a shrunken Savior. We follow a Savior who is bigger than death, bigger than the box. One who overcame death. And God, as we, as we wrestle with our, with the final moments of our life, whether, and we don't know how far away that is, God, as we wrestle with those things, would you give us courage and confidence in Jesus? And not in any other images. And God, as we have to cope in the future with the separation that we feel over the loss of people we love, would you constantly remind us in those moments that the pain is real, but so is the God who overcame death. God, be our strength. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.